Parenting's hard, you don't know what to do. You're blaming your kids, but it's probably you. You love your kids and that you can trust. Just remember your kids don't suck. Welcome to your kids don't suck. Cultivating closeness with your children through non-coercive conscious parenting. We're your hosts, Kara Tedstone and Rathia Lee. Let's dive in and grow together. Okay, so we are back, Rathia and I, with another episode of Your Kids Don't Suck. And it's January. It's going to probably be our first episode of the year, we think, as we figure out the schedule. And we are here with a very special episode with our partners, with my husband, Sanjay, and Rathia's partner, Will. We're really excited because we're going to hopefully have a pretty meaningful conversation about what it's like to parent with our partners in this radical way that is very different. I think as we get into this conversation, it becomes so clear how different it is than mainstream parenting practices. Okay, so I'm gonna introduce you, Sanjay, and um, I'm gonna talk a little bit about our partnership. Well, we met a very long time ago. Very long, yeah. A very long time ago. And it was um, when we were like teenagers, really. And we met through a friend of a friend and long story short, we were friends for a long time, dated, et cetera. And then we got married, um, but we had Aaliyah first. So we had a wedding, a big Indian wedding um, when Aaliyah was three months old. What's it like for you? What's going, anything you want to share about it that comes to mind and you don't feel like you have to talk a lot, but like, we're also not going to interrupt you. You can just take your time. I, I think it's really interesting that in the intro, Kara called it radical because like, uh, embarrassed to say this, but like I haven't researched many parenting techniques. Like I was parented how most people in this community would say traditionally, but when Kara introduced me to like more conscious collaborative parenting, uh, like radical is probably one of the words that would never come up when I, when I think about this, which is interesting that, you know, she does the podcast and she thinks it's radical and I don't because it just sounds like the right thing to do when someone explains it to you. Um, so I just thought that was kind of super interesting because we don't really call it radical in no. our own house. Right. But um, no, we yeah. just, we just call it a fuck ton of work. Yeah. So it, <laughs> it, it's obviously like very different from the way I was parented. And I guess the way I thought about parenting conceptually you know, I, I was raised to like be pretty good in school and, you know, behave if we went out and if we didn't, you know, there'd be consequences. But I, I think like a lot of that, you know, I was very happy with the way I was raised, but I think it's like a really interesting approach to parenting that we're taking. And we were talking about this earlier, but like, it's still so early. Um, and we see like the relationships that other people in like kind of the non-coercive community have with their children. And that's definitely something we want. But it's like so early, you know, we were just talking about it. Like we're making the investment and we've talked about having this hard day, but it's like there hasn't been the return yet, in my opinion. I wonder if you could say more about like what we were talking about, which was like the questions, like the the, the wonderings of like, well, we're not doing it a different way. We haven't since she was born would she be better behaved? Like, would she act different if we punish her, if we made her not yell or whatever? Like we were talking about this earlier, you know? Yeah, we were kind of like, there's probably, there could be like some sort of return in the near term to be more disciplinary. I'm not saying it's guaranteed, you don't know, but like 
you know, sometimes you see your friends with like a two or three-year-old or four-year-old and they're very disciplinary and their child behaves very well from a traditional standpoint. But it's like, who knows what relationship they're going to have with them when they're seven, when they're 11, when they're 17. Um, you know, like so many people dread the teenage years. And then I see a lot of people uh, that are practicing kind of non-coercion. They don't have that same experience at all. And that's kind of what it feels like it's all about to me. Um, it's kind of making the investment now for that return when, you know, you aren't in the trenches every day with the toddler. And it's like, I, I feel like a lot of the, like what I know about this approach, like I've learned from Kara and like from listening to you, Rithia and Vivek on the podcast, I know I was just kind of like saying there's no return, but like sometimes you can kind of see it. And like, we're obviously like very close with her already, but like, who knows if that's why, um, But yeah, it's kind of interesting, like giving her the option to like put on her coat outside and like a lot of the stuff seems to work. And then we have days like today, which are just awful. And you're like, oh, damn, like, where, where is the return today, which I'm sure everybody struggles with. Well, it's interesting the word work, whether it works, you know, because you're basically saying if she's unhappy, it's not working. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> because you're triggered by her pain and her feelings. So, Exactly. If you control a kid, you don't have to deal with your own feelings. You can just make them stop. And then you don't have to feel out of control and helpless, you know. So so the working is a kind of obviously a you know subjective term. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely true. It's a poor choice of words upon reflection, but I guess it's just tough to see, you know, what parenting techniques are actually working at this point. Right. To like produce the relationship you want and I guess that's why like I used work mm -hmm. so in this paradigm working means being close with your child right mm -hmm. so it sounds like you're both very close with your child mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know what closeness means to you but from everything I've heard yeah I think we really both get caught up um I mean I'm doing this like I'll, I'll you know professionally right helping other parents talking with you with you every week like well every day <laughs> And just really involved, like mentally um, in my head about non-coercion. So I understand that, like, I'm not trying to shape her, but I think both of us get really like down in the dumps. Like we get very like, oh my God, when we just want it to be fun and easy and like enjoy our parenting experience, because like, that's all I think we've ever wanted. That's all I'm sure majority of parents really what they want is to enjoy their, their kid and have more like cooperation, I guess in their home, just like easiness. And we just, we don't have that a lot of the time. So then I think we get caught up in behavior. Um, <clears throat> the conversation shift to that, like, how can we fix it? How can we fix it? How can we fix it? We want to make it better. We want to make it better. But we, a lot of it, like I was saying to you tonight, we're, we're just accepting it. Like her feelings, we're just welcoming them. We're working on welcoming them. Yeah. But I hear what you're saying, like not being able to really see the benefit to that right now is like, fuck. It feels exhausting. Kara, I think you're having a hard day because this is actually not true, what you're saying, because you actually see the benefit a lot. I think you're just having a hard day. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, we do see the benefit all the time. Yeah. That's no, we, true. We do. we do, yeah. That's true. Yeah, and I've been thinking about it more. And like... But that's that's a good point, though, because when the days are really hard, that's when we go, fuck, we should just be traditional parents. We could just, we could just train her out of all this crying. This is ridiculous. But- Like, I actually think, like, given her personality and, like, her sensitivity, just the way she is, like, traditional parenting would be, like, very limiting for her. 
and it would be like i think it would produce like a dreadful response it would like, be traumatic yeah. for her yeah yeah it would absolutely be it would traumatize her there's absolutely. no there's no two ways about it i mean that's why i say like in my head i think i'm gonna put you in a room <clears throat> that would be traumatizing for her yes other children may shut down or they may respond in a different way they may play who knows i, I don't i really like it, it wouldn't surprise me but Aaliyah, you you would not be able to do that to her that she would receive that as an absolute withdrawal of love she would feel that immediately most children would they're shut down to it doesn't mean they're not experiencing it that way they're probably they're just used to some level of it and that's why parents who do that regularly they say my kid like never had a problem with that well yeah. we would argue that how do you know right yeah and I guess like you have to like work hard as a parent not to react the way you don't want to. Mm. And like then when you still have days like this, like it goes back to like, oh, like in, is what we're doing the right thing. But then I obviously always come back to yes. But like it does kind of make me question kind of like everything, even these one off days, which like I know I shouldn't, but like. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, I think one of the main reasons that you two go into so much doubt uh, besides whatever your upbringings were is that you are isolated in this philosophy. You're isolated in this way of treating your child. It's so hard to do in isolation. It feels almost impossible because mm -hmm. most people judge you and think what you're doing is nuts. And then you're supposed to believe in it. Really, I mean, I'm so touched that you two are on the same page. You're so mm -hmm. lucky because in my support groups, Almost every single uh, person in my support group is the one parent and the other parent is actually authoritarian and totally against what the other parent is doing. I don't know how they do that. Mm -hmm. oh my God, sounds like a hell realm. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's a good segue. <laughs> you know, because like for me to trust myself, it just was so, 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 so hard. Oh my God, it's so hard. I didn't have you, Karen. I And I had one, my one friend, Naomi, and that was good. And then I found Vivek and whatever, but you know, even just even having Vivek and even having, you know, even having a little bit of support was never enough. I want to live in a community where people treat their children this way. And then I wouldn't have to doubt myself all the time. I just want to validate that. I think that's probably why it's so hard for you to trust it every day. Hmm. I think that's a huge, huge, huge part of it because it really is in those micro moments that you see other parents interacting with their kids. Then you kind of internalize that as like, oh, well, maybe Leah would behave better if we did that. And that's, I think, very toxic for me personally. Mm. I'm introducing Will, my partner, Will. And I wanted to get the chance to say that, like, this is my best friend in the whole wide world, <laughs> who is really, really my co-parent. You know, I mean, my daughter has her dad also, but like in the way that we're parenting, Will and I are really on the same page and it's just the sweetest thing. And when I forget, he reminds me what we're doing and vice versa. And I just couldn't do it alone. And I just, I know some people are trying to, but I couldn't. And um, yeah, it's so amazing to, we just talk about Tori all the time. And we're just so into her well-being and her growth. And um, and now she's homeschooling a bit. So we're into that. And she's just, she's blossoming. And it's just, it's so incredible to share that with you, Will. So I'm really excited to hear Will just talk about a little bit about this journey. And I'm open to whatever you want to share about it. 
Well, I'll start by saying I'm, I'm kind of a private person. So even though I'm a writer and I write about myself in, in a metaphorical way, like to, I'm really nervous to talk um, in this way. So if I seem hesitant or withdrawn, it's just because it's not necessarily my like uh, comfort zone, but I really want to share. And uh, it was really, Sanjay, wonderful to hear you talk um, just because of how humble you are in describing it, your relationship to it. And I, I really wasn't that way for a really long time. I felt like I didn't sort of actively disagree, but I sort of passive aggressively disagreed for a long time. And so it, it took me a long time to really believe in our approach. So I was doing it, but I, I wasn't necessarily, I was doing it more because I wasn't going to like not do it, but I didn't necessarily believe in it fully for years. You had, well, you kind of had to do it because I was like, this is what we're doing. Right, right, right. No, and I wasn't like going to not do it, but right. I definitely took me a lot of years to to sort of believe in it and understand it. And and now we're in a very different place because, you know, we're sort of at a place where Tori is really blossoming. So it's self-evident, but it definitely wasn't self-evident for seven years um, or more around that much and so it just felt to me like the biggest risk in the world to to go into an uncharted way of parenting with the belief that it would work when work meaning like create a person who has an identity of themselves and build a relationship with the world that is one based on who she is and not who she's told to be it just felt like what a huge risk because if, if this is not actually working in that way, or if this is sort of kind of an ideal, but not a practical, like, like thing, it just felt like what I can't, it's like what bigger risk could we make in our lives than try something with our child that what if we're wrong or really, I felt mm. like what if the is wrong? <laughs> <laughs> so, and and then there was a lot of sexism in there, um, like presuming to know better than her mother or, and I think there's a something about non-coercion, which is a, which is like particularly challenging to patriarchy in the sense of like patriarchy's control over people. And that I think felt like on some unconscious way really threatening and and I, and I think that made it harder to embrace so it's been really hard at the same time like I really see how close Rithia and Tori are and how close now I am to Tori and and more than that just I see who she is and I see that she's herself and that she's finding her way in the world according to who she is as opposed to some imposed version of herself in most ways and and so i feel really really proud but it's been like the hardest thing i've ever done what can you say what's been hard about it well i i think it just comes down to i guess i mean some of it was more about unschooling than it is about not for sprinting but they're really wedded together mm -hmm. um 
So I think it, it just felt like trusting a child to find who they are, to know internally who they are, as opposed to their parents telling them who they are or sort of setting up opportunities or, you know, creating options that the parent defines and the child can choose between those options as opposed to the whole world of options. Like it, it just, it felt like, what if she doesn't make her way out of, what if she can't function on her own? Like, like, I mean, I think the idea is to support their autonomy, but in practice, it feels like in some way for a long period of time, actually sabotaging her autonomy because when you're when the whole world is available to you like it's kind of terrifying and you kind of go inward and we've seen a lot of that with her not now but for years and that felt like really scary that there's this being who came into the world and we're responsible for supporting her to become functional or just like in this world that's that's so complex and what if what if this approach doesn't do that yeah like what if we're stunting her somehow right yeah right i think that's a huge fear if you don't control children and push them and coerce them into things maybe they won't develop i think that you know and then maybe they won't be functional and then maybe they won't get out of your house mm. well that that's is that's really interesting big to, question to think about because like if you think like 90 or 95 percent of the people parented that are our age were, were controlled a little bit by our parents and like think about all the negative outcomes. Mm. And it's just like really interesting to hear Will talk about, you know, the risk of of doing it non-coercively, but it's like the there's already a risk out there proven. A bunch of people that we know from mm -hmm. traditional parenting. So I, I just thought that was that was really interesting right, right, to hear. Right. And you know, a, a lot of like um, you know, being able for, for me to kind of jump into this right away. Like, I think like in my head, I'm like, oh, Kara's an expert on this. Like, you know, I'm just going to follow her lead a little bit. Um, but two, it's like, because we have like access to people who have already done it. And it's like a lot easier to see the reward. Um, and maybe, you know, you didn't have that opportunity right at the start because I, I feel like this community like feels like it's kind of new and just building. Are you I, saying you know you know families who raised their kids non-coercively and it came out really good? Like who? I'm just referring to listening to this podcast and like you. <laughs> yeah, like you. Really? Yeah, you. Uh, yeah. Oh, so you have the help of that. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really interesting, and I feel like maybe if Will had this back then, um, right. it would be easier mm. because I think that I was pretty resistant, and even if I had had this model or others, I don't. I think. Yeah, I think it just would have still taken me a long time. Like, I, I, I like to think that that's true, what you just said, but I I don't think that's true. Like, I, yeah. You know, there is something about um, my intuition. I was, I was following my intuition. Mm -hmm. Right. Mother's intuition. I knew, and I also right. heard, like, like, children give you feedback right away. Like, they, you know. You, you get the feedback immediately when you're being hurtful. I'm not saying everyone's listening to that, but it was very clear with my kid when I was starting to hurt her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess part of it for me was like, um, 
you know, Kara has worked with kids her whole life. I have not. And like Kara has also like also does this for a living now. And I do not. So it's like, why wouldn't I trust her? Um, you know, so But one it, of it our could questions be. is, how, we wanted to ask both of you, is how do you know, what are the markers to know that this is good, <laughs> this is right for you? Not just because you know and you trust care, like, but like, what are the moments with your child where you're like, oh, this is absolutely right? How do you know that? Even like thinking about it today and like not snapping and saying what was actually in my head and responding the way that she probably needed in that moment. Like, even though we had a tough day, like looking back on it, like that's how I know it's like for me. Like, I feel like I'm pretty gentle anyways. And like, I feel like without this, like I might be pretty authoritative and like be like, oh, Lee, if you like don't put your coat on, we're not going to get a treat. Like, I feel like I would be like that and like learning that you can be a different way and it still works, it works. I'm using that word again, but to get around to the house and like, go do X, Y, and Z, like go do our day um, without being authoritative. Like, I'm just like, that's kind of what it's all about to me at, at this point. But still, how do you know, like, what are some of the like markers internally? Like, what do you feel and what about like, how do you feel inside your heart like that is um, working? I feel like when I respond the way I want to, we often like share a moment of like affection shortly after. Whereas if I was, I would think that would not happen. Mm. Um, especially as she gets older. Mm. Um, yeah. At least that's kind of like my hypothesis of what's going on. Mm. That's true. That's so sweet, Sanjay. Really is. Yeah, I've been telling people to write those things down so that when you're really triggered and you think this is crap, you can go read all the reasons why it's working. Mm. So we don't have a world that will reflect that for us. What about you? Well, I think the way in for me was kind of more like from like a political point of view, like that's when I feel like, okay. I mean, and now, now we feel like we're really close. And so, but this is like, you know, he and I have been together and I've been in Tori's life for nine years. Um, so, so, but I, like, if I can like go back like five years from now, when I, when I feel like I, the way that I understood it's working is like from a political place, meaning it's similar to what you just said, Sanjay, like most of the world is created through control and it's not really going that well. And so I come from a background of, of like organizing and theater, like theater based organizing mostly for racial justice and so i know that the whole system we have is really fucked and so when i start to see that like me controlling my child is an extension of this whole system and i know how how destructive it's it is then i started like well how can i talk about sort of these big systems and changing them if i'm in my very own little house with the person who's closest to me replicating them like that doesn't make any sense so i think that when i started to sort of understand on that level then i think i really started to think, okay okay this, this makes sense to me that is so cool i'm so glad you said that mm. 
now I sometimes like feel like in my head, I'm like, I'd be such a loser right now if I was yelling at my baby for being a baby. <laughs> she's not even two. She can't talk and I'm getting like frustrated that she's not like communicating 100% with me. Right. And I can't solve what's going on. And I like in my head, I want to yell at her for being a baby. And I'm like, what? I saw it today, actually, which is funny because going back to like Will's Will's comment of like, you know, he was a bit harsh last night. Like, I think in my head, like I saw like 30 things more harsh today at the park for 30 minutes, like one per minute more harsh Definitely, than what, yeah. what Will made, um, you know, last night sound like. No, I appreciate <laughs> that reflection, but I, and it's good. It's good because it is true. It's like the standard. It's like what you said, Kara, like standard you hold yourself to is so high it's like impossible essentially impossible to me and so you just like well so then I'm failing all the time if that's my standard but but it is still high and but send you something you said earlier just it, it's just like did you, I feel like I really struggle with sexism in the in the like getting over to with the, I mean I do have a bad I'm a teacher and I've been a lifetime working with young people so I, I guess in some level I've had experience but I haven't had experience as a parent at all so I don't know how I thought that somehow coming into a family I knew better than the mother of the child but I did and it doesn't see it's I don't know it's I'm kind of like I really appreciate you just being like yeah of, of course I'm going to follow Kara like you know I didn't have that feeling yeah <laughs> but I, I can understand that because like I, I have had thoughts in my head but then I also like think I'm like, what what the hell do I know about this? Like, but, well, but no, but what you just said, where you with you thought like, oh, I know, and then the second thought was, what the hell no, do I know about this? Yeah, and that second thought, it took me a long time to get that second. Thought. Yeah, we had this terrible yeah. argument that used to happen over and over again, which is I would be like, he'd be like, just tell me why are you doing da, 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 da? and i'd be like i can't explain it i don't know i don't have the language for it i just know it's right i'd be like you need to go get educated yourself mm -hmm. and we would like go ah you know we'd like hit this place <laughs> we'd be like i just want you to explain it to me and i'm like i just want you to do the research yeah but then i would do the research meaning like read or or like listen to podcasts and then it was still would never be enough because Basically, what Withia was saying was not let go listen to the podcast or do the reading, but trust me. Mm. Oh, it's just nice yeah. to hear you say all this. Mm. It's really like being a rock and a rock spinner. I mean, you know, like Will made his way through this. Yeah. And I think a lot of it, just, just to say that I, you and Tori are so close. And I think, I think you know about love. I do. And, I think that's, I don't even know how to take that in because it's like, I can't even take it in. Anyway. Yeah, I'll I, come back to that. I'm just going to take that in. Yeah, I think the love between Will and Tori is really, and the joy, and they laugh together, and they just, oh my God. And when they get in a groove, and I think that's what has led you. Right, that's true. Those loving places. And I think one thing that I feel really proud about is I've really taught Tori a lot about repair, meaning like when I've done something um kind of judgmental or harsh or or pushy or or and then I apologize and we kind of have a whole process together with repair both ways like 
she also we had she's as a just years of practice of like she'll be she'll be like I feel disconnected and then we'll be like what happened and then we'll talk through it and we've been doing that for years and I think it's been really powerful because like I'm gender fluid but I'm I'm socialized as a man and then I'm you know like by most people's idea like a man and I just know like how few men there are in the world that do that with 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 women and with girls and so like for her to feel like she can stand up for herself and a man can apologize and repair and take responsibility i feel like it's like part of setting herself up for a different kind of relationship with men in her life mm. oh that's so true it's so it's like it brings me such joy it's so mm. true that's super interesting like i i feel like i'm going to have to like re-listen to this and like take notes of what will is saying because it's such good advice for like the way i want to parent mm. so which once like it goes back to again like why it's wait it's easy for me to like trust this pathway mm. um and it's and like people like you you know it helps a lot yeah like I know that you had Vivek and, and like his podcast and that the ideas, but still like you had yourself ultimately and your intuition. So I'm just wondering like what, and I, you know, I know your history of course, but like still even deeper than that, like how did you have such a clear knowing inside yourself that could lead you to like do something which nobody else was doing, which most of the world thinks is actually really damaging which is like more work than any other kind of parenting. And like the, how did that, how did you just hold on to that one without any reinforcement externally? I mean, I did have a best friend who, who did that, raised her daughter. She didn't call it non-coercion. She just said, I'm not going to interrupt my kid's flow. And that just, I don't know, she did, she understood harm just intuitively. So I had an example of that. My friend of like 30 years, you know, and then um, I think when I found Vivek's work, it's like he was giving words to something that I knew, but I didn't have any language for. And it just clicked. Something clicked. So can you just talk about what that was? That click? Because now you do have language for it, but can you look back at yourself and see what it was that you were feeling then? Yeah, it was about force. It was about using force mm -hmm. on my child to get her to do what I wanted or to stop doing what I didn't want her to do. So using force mm. on her being. Mm. And I already starting to see problems with her, like big problems with the force I was using, even though I was such a, I was such a loving, emotionally based, playful parent, but I still believed I had the entitlement to force her to do all kinds of things. And I was starting to see problems in her behavior and in our relationship already by the time I discovered it. And then, when I, when I started to see she was hiding things from me, that that was it. I was like, oh, wait, she's already starting to create a separate world for me. This is so bad. Like, all, all the alarms went off. Like, this is just going to get worse and worse. She's going to have to start holding more and more away from me. And thank goodness I found something that named that, like, what the opposite of that was. Mm. It's amazing you recognize that because, like, what you just described in your early parenting is how I guess think about how I would have definitely parented. But if I like 
like just thinking about that scenario, I'd just be like, oh, all all kids hide stuff. Like I'm I'm doing a great job. Like that's probably what I would tell myself. So like it's really it's really great that you know you made that adjustment after like you were able to see you know those two worlds because like that to me you would just be like oh like that's normal. Like I'm still doing a great job. Right. That's interesting. Yeah, that's really well. Well, that's really clear what you just said. I mean, I grew up in a in a household where I just created a completely separate reality from my parents. And it was terrible because it meant I had to raise myself and keep everything secret and figure it all out alone. And I started to see the tiny, teeny signs of that. I'm like, uh oh, she's trying to create a separate world. This is so bad. Um, And it's true. She's. We're, we're, it's not like that like because of this path that I chose and that we're, we're doing like we're in the same we're in the same world together <laughs> she always wants to tell me everything like we went out to dinner with some friends and she's like mom come here did you notice blah 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 during the dinner and I'm just like oh this is the best like she wants to tell me like right after what she thought I mean oh that's like my dream that's like dreamy mm -hmm. and it may not always be that way like I, I don't think that like she she's going to grow and she's going to need to keep things to herself and there's right going to be things even now that she's you know has to work out and doesn't want to share so I don't think that it's that she's fully transparent as a being that like I don't it's just more that there's a foundation of that that she that she I think does know that she can always go back to Mm -hmm. well that is a really good point because yeah yeah she does have things she doesn't she doesn't she doesn't want me to read her journal mm -hmm. i want to read her journal <laughs> <laughs> right but she doesn't want me to because she is developing her sense of self it is separate from right. me i just want to say that i'm not trying to like you know mm. be her but uh but yes that i that we are a safe place to like really process things i god i hope that always happens hmm Well, you know, what's really challenging is for when parents who, because I work with teen clients who the parents often come to me and ask me how I can help them support the teen at home. They'll ask me, they'll explain that what their tradition, what their parenting has looked like has been traditional. They don't necessarily have the language to call it that, but they explain that they've used consequences and, and you know, um, explicit teaching and things like that, that are, are not in alignment with non-coercion. And they'll ask me like, what do you suggest I do? Cause I really want now that they're going to university or they're going to high school. Like I want them to come and tell me what, you know, what they're doing in, in terms of relationships, in terms of when they have sex for the first time, like these are things they want to be able to help with. It's very difficult to go from a traditional controlling relationship to an open um, safe and all trusting one. Right. So it's not about having your child actually tell you everything. That's not what we are necessarily trying to go for in non-coercion. It's just that if the options there, they know that you're going to re be reciprocative towards it and there's not going to be shame or judgment there. And that's really difficult to establish really later in life. So that's, that's been really my ultimate, um, reason for doing this path is that I want Aaliyah to be raised with that. That's really clear. Sanjay, I kind of want to hear a little bit about like how what you're doing is so different from your upbringing. Because it's interesting, you said you kind of like how you were raised. I feel like I don't have like any like any issues with the way I was raised. Like I'm pretty close to my parents. I love them like very deeply. I think the way they parented me worked out really well for me. Um, I was I was also the youngest of three, and 
you know, quite, quite a bit after um, the other two, like I'm eight and six years younger than my brother and sister. So I feel like they had like more time with me, you know, they were less stressed at work. I think this was kind of mentioned earlier, but you know, I, I come from a, an Indian background and like my parents are like traditional parents, but I wouldn't say they're like stereotypical strict parents that you would see in like, you know, a cartoon about like, you know, Indian people in America or something. But like, yeah, there were there was stuff like, oh, you like, you know, you should be a doctor and you got to study hard. And, you know, you like, especially for my sister, it was like dating was obviously a, a big, a big issue in like our household. Um, but all of that, I thought was like very normal. And I guess for like from my standards of parenting, like throughout the Indian community, I would not call my parents strict. compared to like what I saw Mm. going on and kind of like what you know to be more stereotypical in in India. But I would say like this, I guess this approach to parenting is obviously like very different than that. But like my parents are like always talking about like Kara's like posted this on Instagram about parenting and like, oh, she sounds like she knows like they're always like very supportive of that. And like they're very supportive, I think, of the way we parent now. Yeah. You know, I just like a bunch of like parenting that I was exposed to is like, you know, an immigrant household. It has to be like structured in a way that you have to succeed. Mm. You know, you have to succeed financially. Like you have to have a family because that's very important. You have to get married. You have to have kids. Like I feel like a lot of that comes from not only like my parents upbringing or a lot of people there, but like in India, like there's no safety net. Right. Mm. if you like quote unquote like lose like you're you're out on the street and you're out on the street in india like it's it's not north america Well, Sanj, sorry to interrupt, but one thing you said recently about traditional parenting in India in the context of this conversation, obviously you can't speak to the whole population, but Sanjay was saying it's about survival, right? yeah I, i would think that like you have to make enough money to like do well for yourself and like to do that you have to study and like parents want to control that environment as an immigrant because usually you're you're immigrating to a country to like build a better life or like there's more opportunity to basically financially succeed or not be persecuted for some beliefs right which which my parents were not but it was really moving to like build a better life from a financial perspective so a lot of that controls comes with like oh what happens if you don't control it and it goes wrong because you don't think about like oh i'm going to control it and it's going to go wrong because whenever you think you're going to control something it's going to go perfectly um and maybe that's like some of the pushback to you know initial thoughts about trusting non non-coercive parenting because you think if you control it it's going to turn out exactly the way you want which couldn't be further <laughs> from the truth hmm. right that's so true sanjay that's so yeah. true whether you control them or not you have no fucking control over what's going to happen yeah Yeah. And, you know, I was born in Canada, so I might be like talking out of my ass here and like maybe someone would dispute that. And like, I'm I'm happy to hear that perspective. But like, I just feel like the risk of like not having that control because parents are like, oh, we, they need to be successful there. Like there's there's different there's different outcomes and different consequences to not being like, quote unquote, traditionally successful in a developing country versus North America. Mm hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah. But, but when you know, Sanjay, when you hear things you want to say in your mind to Aaliyah, like you want to say, um, okay, just stop crying enough or whatever, is that because of your childhood? I'm not sure. 
I don't like remember like that young. So like I I don't know if that was like the way I was raised or just like what I've seen like even from societal or societal perspective. Like you know a well behaved kid is one that is quiet. Right. And so in my mind, I don't know if it's like part of it's like biological. It's like you need to solve this and you can't. And like we're wired to react to like crying and you know, and we're like we need to stop this. Like we're the parents, and if you don't do that, you're a bad parent. But like, what is yelling at
that some of that, like we have more time because of um, privilege mm-hmm. um, and like specifically um, that he is self-employed um, and is able to, to work not as many hours as even many self-employed people do. Um, and then I, I, I mean, I work as a teacher and, and work as a theater maker. So I have a little bit more of a, a lot more of a structured schedule, but we also have her half of the time, you know, because she's with her dad half the time. And sort of all that adds up to um, just like more space and more time with her. And, and some of that's by choice because I mean, Rathia chose that life because of partly this reason, but I still, I guess I get a little nervous around talking about not first parenting just because, and this is, I know so many parents who are having to work two jobs or who are not making enough money to like, there's just so much financial pressure on so many families. And then I just don't, and, and then I don't want to give parents who just don't have an, enough time the impression that they can't do it, that if this, to do this well requires you to be in a world that you're not, and therefore just adding to the shame of being poor, especially. So, you know, but I, I don't know, like, I don't know, I'm just wondering like where, how that all fits in. Yeah, I think we've like, we you make like really good points and we've talked a lot about that. Um, and it's like, yeah, imagine you had like two or three jobs and like you need to get out the door. Like you should not be shamed for being coercive. Like I don't think we should shame anyone either. And like, you know, even going back to my prior comments, like I'm joking about using the word like loser or like actually <laughs> thinking about, about you know, someone like that. Like that's that's just a joke. Um, but yeah, no, you, you make a really good point. Like, and I think if you are struggling um, with being non-coercive all the time because of a financial situation or because you work multiple jobs or like whatever that is, like, you know, even making like one or two non-coercive like decisions or, you know, sharing those like, I guess, reactions to whatever's going on could be helpful in your relationship with your kid. Like we're not, you know, it's not all like roses on this side either, you know? Um, and I, I do think that definitely, so you know, definitely privilege plays into this. Like we're we're on a podcast, like talking about parenting. You know, there's there's people in the world right now with their kids like hiding from bombs, mm-hmm. and like you have to be a controlling parent in that scenario. Like mm-hmm. what you know, like there's a lot of situations where you do have to be a controlling parent, or you don't have the flexibility in your own life to do exactly what we're talking about. And I think that's totally okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I think of it as like the paradigm of oppression to children that so many people don't ever take that apart. Mm. Don't look at the fact that children have no power. They don't have the power in the relationship and they are oppressed. I mean, people argue with me all the time. My kid is not oppressed. I literally will say, no, my kid, they have a million choices they live in the United States or they live in my household where I give them a million choices. They're not oppressed. And I have to like really try to like break it down. And it doesn't always work. But like, for me, I think of it as no matter what situation you're in, if you can look at your power and how you use your power with your child, no matter what, 
And if you have to, quote unquote, force your children to do things all day long, you should at least make that transparent to yourself. Even if you can't make it transparent to your child, you should at least make it transparent to yourself how you're using your power. And it can be in tiny little ways. That's that's how I sort of handle that topic. Yeah, that that makes sense. Because people agree across the world that we're allowed to control children's bodies. Like we're just allowed. I was in a I was in a um, cafe today. Saw a family, one child starts to, and this child is like two years old, hitting like a four-year-old. And the mother comes over and grabs this kid and yanks him off the seat. And totally, the way she was moving his body, I'm like, I am sure she hits him. I could tell by the way she was moving his little body around that she was not going to be treating his body. Well, it was so painful to watch. And it's like, you know... If you can just start, if any parent can start somewhere, it's just seeing your child, the child as an equal, equal in value. Like just start there. And even if you can't, you still have to make your children do stuff all day long. I think about this shit all the time. It's like, I spent all my time thinking about this. Yeah. That's why Karen and I are leaving messages all day long. Have you thought about this? What about that? So, you know, it's like. Well, it's interesting because you'll pick up on it. You'll, you'll, he'll go out alone and, and say, holy shit. And he'll text me. There's a parent screaming at their kid on the subway or whatever you know and he'll send me messages whereas before i don't think you would have necessarily even paid attention to that no probably not well shunda you said something like there's no shame in coercion but i have like i <laughs> actively shame parents in my i mean i don't mean to i'm also a parent advocate but like i also just don't think it's okay to just enact without self-reflection that's not okay and that's what i'm going after in my work it's like you have to you have to self-reflect. That is yeah. your job. I think yeah. that's that's our take, Rithia, right? Is that like, we insist parents look at themselves in the mirror. Yeah. Like, that's our podcast. Your kids don't suck. It's you that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. I, I think a lot of it, like, I just walk by and I'm like, oh, that's like 90% of people. So mm-hmm. why, why why do I care? I guess. Like, I know that sounds kind of shitty, but it's just like, oh, that's just, I guess, the way it is. And like, you know, if someone told me they like stuffed their kid in it, like, you know, we take a lot of time to get Aaliyah, like, into a car seat. Oh, boy. You know, really? if, if I'm going to my job and, you know, I'm going to get fired, if, if I don't make it on time, my kid doesn't want to leave, like, yeah, I'm stuffing her oh, in the God. car seat, unfortunately. Like, I'm going to control you and I'm going to feel really shitty about it. But at least, like, afterwards, if you can reflect on it and feel, like, a little bit shitty about it and talk to them about why it happened mm. and you feel bad about it, like, I think like, that's that's a helpful step that maybe a lot of people don't take. Mm-hmm. That's a great example. I love that. Those little, little moments where you have to enact your power over your child's body and you can say, I have a consciousness about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm aware of that. Your body matters. Um, Ruthie, I want to check in with you because I'm I'm just I have our notes on the side. I'm wondering if there's any questions that are standing up to you as like left un, you know, unaddressed. Well, one of our questions is what is the hardest thing about this? Yeah. I think that's a good question to end with. I mean, it's not the happy ending, but it's it's depth. Yeah, it's real. Yeah. I, I was like thinking about that. And some of it happened actually today. So it's like a really good question for for me today because it's like really letting her like sometimes just like feel her feelings and feel what she needs to feel which is often leads to like whining and crying and you want to solve it or you want to tell her to shut up or like 
whatever it may be, like, I find that, like, very challenging because, like, I'm, Kara always says I'm always looking for, like, a solution and that's just the way I am and I want to solve it. And I do find that, like, very triggering. Um, just, like, the, you know, letting her feel that. I'm like, why are we doing that? But I do understand, but it's just, like, sometimes very, like, overwhelming. And then, you know, I, I would say, like, some of the stuff that maybe I don't feel is, like, particularly difficult at this time, but some of the stuff I think is going to be really hard in the future, and I would love to hear your guys' thoughts, but I guess the three that come to mind would be sleeping. <laughs> actually, let's say two that come to mind are sleeping. Like, what, what, actually, no, okay, we're going back to three. Screen time, <laughs> sleeping, and eating. Classic. Those three, like, I, like, think they're probably pretty difficult with this approach and I know, I know there's a difference between like being permissive and not coercive but like those three it's like as like a raised in a traditional household like I had very like strict views on all or, or just sorry like very strict views were instilled in me on like those three things yeah. it's just like how is that going to play out <laughs> over the next 16 years or whatever mm. I mean, that is everybody. I just made a video yesterday that said the three main things where the three main topics where people revert to authoritarian practices are, are food, screen time, and sleep. That's exactly what I said, those three things. That's mm -hmm. funny. I didn't see it, but... <laughs> parents like, just lose their shit. It's the places where they go where you think they should not go. Mm -hmm. So when your child starts to do something and you're like, that's that's going to be bad. And then there's all these beliefs about it. And then this is the, this is where I've learned in those spots are where you have to really look at your priorities. Is it more important to control X, Y, and Z than to stay in connection and trust your child? And you, and, and for me, I have to redecide over and over again to trust her process. I just want to tell you this, Kara, because me and Kara just did um, a podcast on screen time. Tori came home yesterday from her dad. So like, one o'clock she walks in the door she goes mom take my phone i don't want to be on it for the rest of the day please just go hide it and she stayed on her phone for like six hours after that at least Can I say how you've been updating me about this over the last like what six months or something that's huge and you've done nothing you, you literally have literally just been so hands-off that's amazing it was crazy and um and then she but that's not sorry for noting but but that's not the goal. Like, I remember when you did the podcast about like Toriel cleaned her room and someone was like, so wait, what's the, what you're saying? It's like contradictory because you're saying you're celebrating the fact that she's cleaning her room because that's the societal expectation. No, but the common belief is if you don't control your child's screen time, they're going to go careening out of control and they'll never be off their phone. That's the common belief. They'll just be, they'll just fry their brain and ruin their brains and they're this, you know. And so I'm just saying other things are happening besides that. Yeah, I guess you celebrate it because people that have doubted it mm. would believe it would go the other way. Mm -hmm. So you are like, celebrating the win over the people that have like doubted your parenting in a way. Yeah, and also like me, because it's taken five, I don't know how she's had a phone, but like I've had to keep saying, trust her, trust her, trust her. And when she makes choices to regulate herself, I'm like, okay, she's learning that she's in relationship to the phone. Mm -hmm. she just lost herself to the phone she came home and just made a choice around it that was empowered yeah so that's what i mean that's what i always take from what you're saying about the phone thing with tori because we've been talking about it so much it's like it came from her it was intrinsically 
um, her choice. Like she's been motivated to solve this problem for herself. I admire the fact that I know because of the way that we've talked about it in depth that you've actually just been letting her have a process. I've been very, very triggered about it, but yes, I have. You have, but you've been doing your work to to go and talk about all of that. Right. And then in conversation with her, I'm, when you are triggered, you may repair or you take all of those extra steps to allow her to continue her process. Yeah. To make the decision in the end, which is right now to give you her phone so that she doesn't have access to it because she's noticing the effects and she doesn't like them. It's not you saying, honey, I'm taking your phone now because I don't like the way it makes you feel. Right. Totally different. It's, totally, totally, it's radically different. It is. And she and was making observations about not having the phone. She's like, I'm going over to my neighbor's house and you have no way to reach me because I'm not taking my phone. And I was like, okay, I'll text the parent. You know, it's like, it was so cool. See, what I admire about you and always have is that this is what I'm trying to achieve with the parents of my clients is this type of approach, but it's so difficult because I only work with kids, but I get all their ins and outs of how their parents make them feel. Then I try to explain to the parent if I can, if I get the opportunity, if they come and book a session with me to seek support, how to do that. So that's why I really, really like hold your comments about Tori. Like, like, I really like, I like keep them. I like save them. I'm like, okay, this is incredible. It really is because this is what people's goal should be. Is that like, if you allow your kid to, as Rathia puts it, have a fucking process that ultimately they will learn some things about themselves along the way that you wouldn't have been able to teach them with a coercive approach. My friend who, who just came to visit, she also works with kids and families, and she read me a text that a parent wrote her about her client who's a teenager. And it was just like, our, my child is stealing all the time. I don't know what to do. So I took her phone away. Just like, mm, yeah. oh, that all was the time. It's like, and you think that's going to make your kid be more honest? Like, well, okay, we don't have to get into that. But anyway, that's just one example. Um, before I say what's the hardest for me, just to say one more thing about the thing, the phone and the screen time thing, is in addition to like the choice that she made yesterday and whatever choices she'll make in the future, like we, to at least a certain degree, have had conversations with her about what she's watching and why and what are the race dynamics of those shows and what are the gender dynamics and, and then sometimes back away from those conversations because it sounds like we're trying to tell her what to think and there's just a lot of opening that comes to knowing what she's watching. Whereas if we're trying to control her, it's more likely she's going to hide it. And then we're not going to know like what she's absorbing all day. Right. Then, then you're, then that's dangerous. It becomes dangerous. Control, put your kid in more danger. I agree. And we talk about this a lot on our other episodes. It's like a big theme. And I just want to say that we're about to publish a screen time uh, episode really soon where the whole thing's on screen time. So we are, we worked on that. We're working on it. Mm -hmm. So what's the hardest thing, Will? School. And this is really about unschooling. And I know that the podcast isn't so much focusing on schooling, but is it okay to talk about Should it? I say what unschooling is before you go into it or? Sure. Unschooling is when your child is homeschooled, but instead of having any curriculum or trying to get your child to learn certain things, you follow them and you support their learning however they want to learn, yeah. which can look a hundred million different ways. So, so I'm a teacher. Uh, my mother's a teacher. Um, her father or her stepfather was a teacher and, and, and the headmaster of a school. Um, 
and and more than like that lineage i really believe i most of my life has been shaped by teaching i have had the luck of having a lot of great teachers in my life in various formal and informal ways so i really believe in teaching and for most of her life tori has not wanted to be taught anything like not anything <laughs> like not in a small way or not in a like formal education way, not in a daily interaction way. She has seen teaching as a way to control her and she has said no. And and we've created a structure where that's okay. So it's 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 been incredibly hard for me to 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 feel like really one of my greatest gifts is not one that is like part of the equation and mm -hmm. and, and that's not true like and I, there's lots of ways that i teach her in directly and modeling and guiding her and not controlling her and there's and i've i've learned like very it's taken me a really long time but i've learned ways to like plant a seed in but not try to control her and it's like a very 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 nuanced way to to guide but that has been really hard Hmm. And we're in a really new place with it right now. She is now formally learning from Will. She she's decided she wants to go to school, so she's she's at least as of now planning on going to school in seventh grade, which is in the fall of two thousand twenty four, and so we're doing a lot. So she's internally motivated, and so and there's things that she hasn't learned because of this system, and so we're doing. I'm doing history with her. With Thea's doing writing, uh, writing, and a babysitter, and and, and her dad. Uh, are doing math with her and so you know, now we're now I'm kind of like able to do all the things that I've like dreamed of doing like my vision before I entered into Ruthia's life was like I always want to have a child so that I can read to them hmm. or so that I could teach them about writing and like it and just, she's just been like nope not happening no. but now she's wants to learn Right. So, uh, formally. But but it's crazy. Yeah. Fairly. I mean No, no, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like that really resonates with me. Not that I'm from a, a lineage of, of teachers, but school is obviously always very important. Like in my household, like growing up in, you know, somewhat of a traditional Indian household. And it's just like I don't know, I, I never really liked school, but like so much of my curiosity even today was sparked by like certain teachers that I remember throughout grade school that I think like played very important parts of like my belief system and everything I went on to learn and research. Mm. Uh, so I feel like a lot of what you said resonates and like, I want to teach like Aaliyah about space time and stocks one day, if she's willing to, willing to hear it. But like, I, I've accepted that she may not, but we'll see when the time comes, how accepting I, I really am and what <laughs> internal struggles I have, because I, I imagine it will be very hard. Hmm. It is. And when I, I reached out to, to, there's a online community called um, My Reflection Matters. My Reflection Matters, um, which is, uh, it's a people of color led kind of self-directed learning network. Um, and at a certain point, and I really, the person who's the kind of coordinator named Shimei, um, she's, 
she, I, at one point I reached out to the whole network about this question and, and, and she responded, other people responded too, but she was like, it's just, it's, there's so many things where you, the idea of what you think is going to be you as a parent, does it line up with what your child sees themselves? And it's just like, there's just so many letting goes like that. So. It, yeah. You said it one time, Ruthie, you said parents will always be able to find ways in which their children disappoint them. <laughs> I and said that's a great quote. Such a great quote. <laughs> but it's like that that whole thing um reminds me of I'm a piano player. I, I play piano, I always have, and um it's just such a stupid thing. I mean, it's light, it's not deep, but Aaliyah hates it. She so fucking far. So far. So far. I mean, she might like love it, but she might yeah. always fucking hate the piano. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be I, honestly it's it's not as um deep as being from like a long lineage it's not like i'm a pianist from you know decades of <laughs> centuries of pianists but like um that's like kind of hurtful in a way like for me to play piano for her i i honestly envisioned like my little toddler sitting there and being like yay she hates it <laughs> and she might always hate it and i have to <laughs> well to tori uh, is like this really <sighs> amazing dancer which i yeah. take and she's an amazing singer and her dad's a dancer too yeah and her dad right and um and she's a natural artist well she's a performer she's great but she she doesn't want to go to uh she's like i don't want to go to an arts-based school mm. I'm like okay like it's so different than me um yeah. but someone said yesterday well, maybe she gets enough arts at home and so that's not what she's going after mm -hmm. so that was that's a cool switch of my perspective Mm -hmm. yeah we don't find those reframes mm. you know like maybe she's gonna have to find her way to the piano first before you you know put it in her ears yeah no i i definitely think that that is well, true for all of them she likes playing it well she like when you she's like when I play. <laughs> she's like get off of this and yeah. it forces me away <laughs> yes. yes but she will get on there and oh yeah playing and then, away, and then she looks she'll at look at class. us and be like um yeah. And she won't stop clapping until we each clap. And then she will start again. Yeah, she's so cute. I really want to she meet sounds her. sounds like a great pianist. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, she doesn't appreciate my piano skills. Well, what does that say about my insecurities, you guys? What do I need my kid to be my little, like, do it again, mommy? Like, okay. <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> It's been really, really, really great having you too. Maybe we could do it again in six months or something. You know what I mean? Wow. Just re revisit. Tackle. I don't think I can do it again in six months. I, so it takes a. It's I'm so private. Like this is like six months is too soon. I'm just no. Yes, it's too soon. Sorry. Right, maybe a year. I would love you all to come over and us to have a meal together anytime <laughs> next week. Yeah, we should. We should. Yeah. Thank you. This is so great. Mm. Yeah, and I, I also just I, it's, it's really great because I think it's I think it's really unusual for two parents in a household to be on board with this, and I think it's going to be really helpful for people. I really do. This has been your kids don't suck. You can find me, Kara Tedstone, at www.karatedstonetherapy.com, and on Instagram at karatedstonetherapy. On my website, you'll find links to recommended readings and a link to my Reparenting with Mindfulness workbook, available now on Amazon.
You can find me, Rathia Lee, at www.rathia.com. That's R-Y-T-H-E-A.com. There you'll find published books, articles, and music, and parenting videos. Also, I'm on TikTok at Rathia Lee, on Instagram at Rathia Lee. You can book parent mentoring sessions with me through my website. And also, I have an advice from a loving bitch YouTube show that helps people heal self-hatred, and that's Rathia.com slash advice. It is important and essential to put our voices, Rathia and Kara, in a context. We are two white, cisgendered, straight, middle-class women living with financial and societal privilege. Because of this, our perspectives are limited and do not reflect the realities of all of our listeners. This podcast will feature guests with expertise around conscious parenting who differ in race, class, abilities, sexual orientation, and histories from us to broaden the conversation and reflect the lives of as many people as possible. 25% of the proceeds of this podcast will go to creators of color who have been mentors and influences on our work and in our growth as parents. If you like our show, please subscribe and stay tuned for more conscious parenting advice and insights. And check out our link tree at linktr.ee slash your kids don't suck to donate and connect with us.